How's it going, guys? This is Dave Thomas. And this is Brian Pritz. And we are back with our third episode of The Business of Lifting Weights. Uh, today, we're going to talk about what, in our opinion, consists um, of a complete athlete, what makes a complete athlete. So, um, you know, you hear a lot of different opinions within the fitness industry about, you know, should you call yourself an athlete? Are you an athlete? Um, I don't really care about all that personally. Uh, I think people tend to take that word way too seriously and way almost, too seriously. yeah, almost like it's some kind of right. Like if you're like 30 years old and you're like, yeah, yeah, none of us are competing on a team anymore. Like I get that, <laughs> but, um, you know, you and I both competed at an extremely high level. We've both been athletes and I feel like we don't really have some exclusive claim to the word. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, you know, we like to just think of it as pretty much the, just the, the textbook definition of it, and that's a person who is proficient in sport or other forms of physical exercise. Um, to take it one step further, basically just somebody that uses their body as a complete instrument of physicality. Um, and we'll kind of get into what we consider to be pretty much the nine parameters of uh, the complete athlete. So I think for us, you know, we like to think, you know, a lot of people ask like, what's the point of training like an athlete? Like you're not an athlete. And I get that a lot from like other trainers and coaches that I'll see posting stuff around social media and the internet that like, you know, unless you compete in sport, you're not an athlete. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't agree with that. So I think anybody can wake up in the morning, treat their body like an athlete and use athletic training to improve their body composition, to improve their output and basically just become a more functional human being. So you would consider yourself an athlete? Yeah, I, I would. Um, you know, I, I I wouldn't go around like telling people I'm an athlete, <laughs> but like I wake up with that mind frame, absolutely. Hey guys, my name is Brian. I'm an I'm an athlete. Yeah, like you know, there's a difference in, in how you phrase it, but I, <laughs> I it's more I think of that mentally. I right. treat myself like that. You know, I focus on recovery. I try to eat right. Um, I train across like different modalities. Like yeah, so I think that is what like constitutes. Um, athletic training yeah. uh, for today's purposes. I'm no longer like competing in sport in a physical high level. I mean, what about you? Would you consider yourself still an athlete? Yeah, I mean, I you know, it's it's funny. I never really even like thought about the term in in general until I started hearing people just take it way out of control, um, and then that's when I started thinking about it in general. But um, you know, I just started playing tennis competitively again. Um, and I've been an athlete my whole life. So yeah, I would consider myself an athlete. And I just think there's a lot of successful, you know, if people who, people who are our former athletes, it's a very vague statement, but they tend to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just, I wrote a blog article about this a few years ago about like, if you, if you have the mindset of an athlete, you tend to be successful. And it's just kind of the difference between like training versus exercising. Yeah. Um, you know, athletes train, non-athletes exercise. Like yeah. I have a purpose. Every day should be with a focus. You know, you should cycle in different goals. There should always be a purpose to what you're doing. You know, if you come into the gym and you're like, I don't really have any goals. I'm not really working on anything. I would consider that a non-athletic endeavor. Mm -hmm. Um, And and some stuff that I've touched on in the past is just that difference between training versus exercising. And those people that go, you know, they go into a cycling studio and they just look at the number of calories they burned. And that, that is the definition of if they got a good workout in, um, as if they burned a lot of calories and that's just, that's totally different from training, having goals, having kind of a a set path. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, that's a very good point. It's all just like, if you're developing skill sets, capacities, if you're, if you're, you know, targeting different fuel systems, different planes of movement. Um, I think kind of that is what makes, one, an athlete, being able to use the body 
three-dimensionally as it's designed to be performed and not just one plane, one speed, one modality. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we'll kind of get into today what we, you know, kind of categorize the nine different things. And um, it's what we've gone off at Performance 360. It's kind of what we were founded upon is just athletic training, um, taking elements from a little bit of everything, a lot of stuff, you know, we did in strength and conditioning. We were in college that you did professionally. And really, you know, the takeaway is going to be folks understanding that just because you're strong doesn't necessarily mean that you are a complete athlete. Just because you're fast doesn't mean you are a complete athlete. You know, just because you can cut or just because you're, you have mobility, you know, one skill set alone is a very great thing to have, but it doesn't fill in every piece of the puzzle. It's just kind of one, 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 one piece of it. Uh, it's funny you bring that up. I, I think back to my Red Sox days and I remember, you know, you said that I did that in my professional career and that's actually not true. Um, when I was in the Red Sox system, we did very little strength training. It was actually looking back on it. It was one of those things I looked back and thought if we had been doing the stuff that we're doing today at P360, like I would have been a way better baseball player. Isn't it crazy that like you're probably in better shape now at like 34 than you were playing professional baseball in your early 20s? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, that was technically the prime of my life. And now at 33, I'm just in way better shape. I think the takeaway of that is like, you know, it speaks to the benefits of training like an athlete. Like you do yeah. that and your athleticism and your physical skill sets, they don't have to be tied to, to how old you are. Yeah. And kind of going back to that story, um, what happened was one time or one off season, I followed their training program, like to a T I put on probably 15 pounds of muscle. Um, I was just, I think I, that's such a mistake. Yeah. I, w- I was, I went into spring training and everybody, all the coaches were like, Oh my God, like great job. You worked so hard. Like, you know, good for you. And, and they all gave me this praise and I was like, Oh yeah, that's cool. My speed went down. My mobility went down. My power went down. Everything that is measurable in sport went down just because I had added muscle. Um, and it was just, it was totally non-functioning muscle. Yeah. You added muscle through sagittal plane movements, squats, presses, and then we're asked to apply that in a transverse sports setting, rotational movements, baseball power. And there's no tie into that. None. So it's just, it'll, it's, yeah, it's, it's that's actually a great point is like strength strength is not everything like mm-hmm. it's absolutely the foundation that we'll get into but it is one piece of it it's a large piece it is not the end all be all of being an athlete i firmly believe that me too um so that's a good segue in it um is you know the first fir- first of the nine things you absolutely want to make sure you have as an athlete is that maximal strength. So we just kind of got done overstating it, but it's got to be there for absolutely everything. You know that maximum muscle strength number one on the list. How much can you lift? Uh, what is like a one rep squat, a one rep deadlift? Maximum strength. You know without the ability to exert that maximum force, you really can't build anything on top of it. You can't be a great. Um, middle distance runner, long distance runner. You can't be a great athlete. If you're playing team sport, you you can't, you don't have the ability to exert burst power in like one to three minutes. If you don't have that absolute strength real quick, uh, you know, looking at, at that list and you know, what we'll go over, how do you quantify this stuff? Because it is, you know, kind of like we talked about last episode is it, it, it depends in a lot of scenarios. So like, how do you quantify whether you're, you know, capable on all of these things. I mean, that's, what's great about maximum strength is like you quantify it by just purely what's on the bar. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's, it's an 
instant feedback, and that's one of the things that's so great about the barbell. Um, we'll talk a little bit about some of its downsides later, but it, it is going to provide that instant feedback. You know exactly where you stand when it comes to strength. And I love maximum strength because I think it's very important. We have all of our beginners focus on building their maximum strength, not to say they're doing one reps, but they're working on their strength above all else because you have to get strong before you can get fast. Mm -hmm. You have to get strong before you can really, really lose weight. Like strength comes first. So it's awesome. But at the same token, I see a lot of people really getting hung up there and they stay there and they don't ever want to leave there. Mm Um, strength is super rewarding. Cause like I said, you get that instant feedback. Like I just went up 25 pounds. That's so tangible. Like that's so measurable. Yep. There's a lot to be said for that as a rewarding way to train because y- you see instantly how you do, mm-hmm. but it's, it's highly limited. Um, it's highly limited. Um, I want to save it. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but it's, it's one plane and it's, it's, it's one speed and that's slow, yep. slow, heavy weight. Um, so you have to counter that, which is why maximum muscle power is also important. So, you know, a, a max vertical jump, a max box jump, a max Olympic lift where you're taking that strength and then applying it in a high speed endeavor. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that next step on the list, get strong and then get strong and fast with how you can perform your lifts. Um, so strength and power are two things that are often kind of interchanged um, and used incorrectly uh, when people talk about them, but um, they're two completely different skill sets, and you definitely want to have both to be a complete athlete, like a you know a, an offensive lineman or a linebacker. They're not going to be much if they don't have power. Like they can be strong, but you have to like push off of the line. You have to have that power to move quickly with right, it. those quick bursts. Yeah, and you know anybody that does like competitive fitness, you know you need that power um, on your sprints or to transitions and to movements and to just get that burst and get that um, kind of that high speed horsepower with it. For sure. Um, so, you know th- those are very important. Going off of the phosphagen system with that, so that's you know pretty much your your athletic fuel system, your one to ten seconds of maximum maximum speed. Um, which actually takes us into kind of the next one is having that speed. Um, so that's going to be, you know, somewhat of a play off of, off of strength and power. Um, but simple, good old, like how can I get from A to B as quick as I possibly can? Yep. Um, and I think like one of the more depressing things is when you realize you've been lifting for like a really long time and then you go to run a sprint and you just feel like super slow. <laughs> um, like you talked about that with the Red Sox, like you got super strong, but you felt like your speed went down. Way down. I mean, I, I honestly, I was very uncomfortable stealing bases. Um, and I used to be one of the best base stealers in the Red Sox system. And then I came back 15 pounds heavier, all muscle mass. Um, and my speed just dramatically dropped. I couldn't steal bases. I didn't feel confident. It was like a, a crazy transition. I remember that happened to me when we got to college. Like coming into college, I used to be like very fast. I think I ran like a six, a six, seven, sixty. Um, and I remember getting to college and I put on literally 30 pounds the first year. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was cheeseburgers, but <laughs> it was also muscle. And I got very slow. Yeah. Like I remember we retested the 60 and I was like seven plus. I had like never, yeah. never run that in my entire life. <laughs> and yeah, right. It was like I went from fast to, to slow. Yeah. And I got recruited because of my speed. So I remember old Ronnie Atkins like <laughs> looked at me in disgust. Like I still remember this, that first day we, we retested the 60 and I ran it over seven. Like I thought I was going to get cut. On really? the spot. <laughs> um, but just goes to show that like, uh, yeah, I got strong, 
but I, I didn't maintain any speed. In fact, I went backwards. So like, was I a better athlete? Cause I got strong. Like, absolutely no, not. Absolutely like, not. Yeah. I had more strength, but I wasn't a better athlete. Yeah. So that's why we factor speed in there on that list too. And like making sure that you can still just run fast, um, that you still have that like total body control ability over your motions and that you can move quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and of course, sp- speed, strength, and power, that's going to be, you know, your sport athletic components, anything that's power based. Those are obviously super important. Um, but additionally, just in the form of like being proficient in exercise, which a lot of people listening to you want to do, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have to be able to have different kinds of endurance as well. So you have to have anaerobic endurance and aerobic endurance and anaerobic endurance would be basically like short burst, um, something maybe for time, something that's, that's just a few minutes at a time. That's like an all out effort, Mm -hmm. um, where it's still power based. You're not quite in just aerobic capacity of just long endurance. You know, you're maintaining bursts, you're maintaining power. Think about like if you do CrossFit, like a seven minute, um, like seven minute, like for time and rap AMRAP, or like if you're at performance 360, like the timed IWTs that we do where it's like one to three minutes at a time. And then you have that massive amount of rest in between, mm-hmm. um, for those members listening, the reason we do that is to keep you in that anaerobic state. You have that recovery. So you're not just going nonstop. You want to keep that, that power endurance. Oh, you mean there's a purpose to that? Yeah, that's weird. That's very weird. Very weird. Um, and that's, like I said, aerobic endurance is super popular in the realm of competitive fitness. Um, and I think that has overshadowed aerobic endurance. Like aerobic endurance gets a really bad rap. Um, basically, just like being able to run far or do like a 30-minute workout or something that's sustained for that continuous pace. Like I don't think it's super effective, mm-hmm. but I do think it is important to train because you want to build up that work capacity. You want to build up your VO2 max. You want to improve your lactate threshold, things that are important that you have to just develop through, through well-rounded training. Um, so I definitely have an appreciation for aerobic endurance. Like we haven't done it as much of late in the gym, trying to kind of, to be honest with you, new locations, figure out the coursings, making sure people don't get murdered by vehicles. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, you know, why we used to do like extended runs of longer than a mile and why we would do, you know, longer workouts that are quite frankly, kind of boring, yep. but they work. Um, and they, they, they improve us in the capacity of aerobic endurance. And, and, and sorry to cut you off. What's, what's kind of that threshold that you cross over when you like, what's that time frame from going anaerobic to aerobic? It's really, uh, it's kind of murky waters. Um, like very rarely in a workout, are you in just one fuel system? Mm-hmm. Like generally speaking, you're kind of moving all over the place, like two tiered workouts where you're building strength you're obviously not going to be any type of aerobic, right? You're going to be working all strength and power. Um, but it, it's, you know, at lack of defining it exactly, it's pretty much just anything longer than a couple of minutes of continued movement. Okay. So where that power output starts to come down and you're kind of just coasting and pacing, that's typically when you drift into that aerobic capacity. Like mm-hmm. if you're pushing and you're approaching like, you know, that number of like 80% or so of your maximum output, like you're probably going to be in that anaerobic state where you're going all out. Yep. When that heart rate comes down and you're kind of coasting, that's more of an aerobic style workout. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so those are very important as well. Um, and kind of takes us into the next one of the local muscle endurance, which I am a fan of. Um, it's one that I don't think is tested quite enough, but the ability for like localized group of muscles to be able to hold their endurance. Mm -hmm. Like how many push-ups can you do in a row? Yeah. How many pull-ups can you do in a row? Um, something like that where it's like testing just single muscle groups working together um, and testing their ability to have endurance. Because like I said, some people might be super, super strong. You know, some people might be able to deadlift 500 pounds, but it's like turn around and ask them to perform, you know, 40 straight push-ups, and they'll, they'll, you know, they'll max out at like 18 or 19. Yeah. Um, and it's just like that lack of endurance because you focused so much on like, how much can I move one to three times? Yeah. It just being in the industry and kind of seeing other gyms and other programming and stuff like that, there really is not a lot of talk about that, that specifically. So, um, it's interesting to discuss it here. Yeah. And it's like, I've gone through phases where I focus purely on strength and I've gotten pretty strong mm -hmm. and like, I'll remember specifically, like I'll pony up next to like a really in shape female and like, I'll be beaten on push ups, <laughs> <laughs> And like, that was just a huge, I remember it specifically happened one time, like two or three years ago. Um, and this girl was obviously a total badass, and I'm not saying a lot of women aren't, but like I own a gym. I train a lot. I should be beating most people in push-ups, um, especially Probably. women. We yeah. just have more upper body strength as men. Um, but yeah, it was just a good reminder. Like, oh man, like I have to remember to train for endurance as well as just how much I can lift one time. Right. Um, in my defense, I think the girl did like 45 push-ups. Um, good for her. Yeah. So it's just to the whole point, like, you know, strength is only – where you're willing to apply it. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Like yeah, absolutely. if you're a, a, a powerlifting or an Olympic weightlifting competitor, like you obviously need your entire training focus to be on your strength and your power. Yeah. Um, but you're, you're applying that in a competitive atmosphere, like for everyday people who are just trying to wake up and be the best athlete they can be, which I believe is a extremely large population yep. more than probably most people will admit. Um, you got to kind of get away from the addiction of like everything has to be based around my strength. Yeah. It is the building block, but you must leave the nest and focus, use that strength to then develop other capacities as well. Now you talk about, you know, power lifters where they are purely focusing on that strength and power. Are they using these other kind of athletic capabilities in their training or are they training specific power lifting because they are, you know, a power lifter? I can't speak to that because I don't train for it, so I don't know what they're doing. But I know a lot of the times, like in a lot of powerlifting circles, like they'll train box jumps um, to develop that rate of force development. Yep. Um, they'll you know train for speed with that, like box jumps for speed. That'll they'll then translate to squats. Mm -hmm. So they certainly are. You know, they're not going to go out and run run a mile for time, or right. they're not going <laughs> to go row like 800 meters or anything like that. Um, it's all going to be kind of kept within the framework of that strength and power. Um, I, they will not train at all for any type of, any type of endurance because the whole goal is what, what's your one rep. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll do buildups to that, you know, they'll do sets of like 12 and 20 reps leading up to competition to increase their strength. But, um, and that's hard as shit by the way. So mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm definitely not trying to make that seem like that's not endurance. Like do a set of 20 rep squats and tell me that that's not endurance, right. but traditional endurance in the sense of the word, in the traditional sense of the word, um, 
they, they don't do much of. It's funny. I remember. And again, what... sorry, that that's for their competition. So right. n- nor should they be. I'm not saying that any aspect of that is done incorrectly. That's just specificity for their sport. Yeah, definitely. And what I was about to say is coach Brenna, when she was training for her powerlifting competition, um, you know, she was obviously focusing on powerlifting. And then once she was done with that competition and came back to P360, I remember that her first workout, she was, you know, going on an 80 meter run or a hundred meter run or something. And she get back and she was just gassed. It was like total, total meltdown just from doing something that she previously was very capable of doing. Yeah, Brenna's an absolute badass, by the way. Yeah, she is. Um, she's then now train in the middle of training for her upcoming meet, and I'm excited to see if she deadlifts 400 pounds. Because if she does, that's just like I'm gonna worship the ground that she fucking walks on. I think she'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I think she can. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So so the point with that is like we kind of got sidetracked a little bit, um, but there are, there's also obviously that aspect of training specifically for sport, which we'll which we'll touch on too for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the final three are kind of more less fuel system based and more like body awareness, proprioceptive abilities, um, how to take your body and manipulate it, control it. Um, so that would obviously be agility. Mm-hmm. Um, agility is highly undertrained. You know, we've uh, that that's you know pitfalls that we've kind of fallen into with our training from time to time in the quest to get people strong is forgetting to just take people and get them to move. Yeah. Um, get them to move through a ladder. Um, get them to move through some cones, um, you know, some side-to-side hops, just basically like being able to control your body because that's another thing that I've just kind of casually witnessed from programming, training, and observing the people at the gym is like, once again, you'll see really strong people, but, you know, take them out of that single plane that they're used to and just, just ask them to move a little bit laterally. And it's like the wheels come off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and to me, like agility is, I think like the ultimate display of athleticism. I agree with that. Um, because you have to, there's acceleration, there's deceleration, there's power slash speed. Um, there's reactive abilities. It's all just total body control. Um, and that's something that's definitely developed, but you can't have great agility without strength and power. Because agility is like very, you know, it, it's it's quick, fast, athletic movements, mm-hmm. and you have to build that foundation. Um, so that's definitely a big one, um, and where I think most people who stop playing team sport, like that's the skill that they lose the fastest. Yeah, um, is is that agility? Um, and the number eight on the list, mobility, flexibility. Again, um, that's more of like a body body capability, and kind of less about an, an output. And my specialty. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but like that, that's a great point is it's like, you know, not to like, not to pick on you oh, at, pick, at all, pick, go. but like you're extremely fast. You're very athletic. You're very strong. But at the same token, there's some movements in the gym that you straight up can't do because yep. of like mobility and flexibility. Yep. And that's, you know, that's obviously an important part of it is being mobile, being flexible, uh, being able to take your body through what, whether or not it's your sport that's asking you to do it or if it's competitive fitness or if it's just fitness to the fullest of your capabilities. In order to access everything, you have to be mobile, you have to be flexible, and it also keeps you kind of resilient and injury-free. Yeah, and there's a lot of things that I have noticed 
not being able to do in, in sport. I mean, even going back to my baseball days where I, I didn't even know what mobility and flexibility was back in the day. We should have you sit Indian style on camera one time. <laughs> uh, you know, that's actually one of my big goals of this year is to be able to sit Indian style. <laughs> like that, that's one of my fucking yeah. goals, which is kind of sad. Put it but... on the, we're going to put it on the board if you do. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, looking back on it, if I was more mobile and more flexible, I would have been a way better athlete. So it's, it's a, I, it's a big one on the list. Um, and then that just takes us into the final one, balance and stability. So um, being able, like I said, that proprioceptive ability, being able to control your body, being able to take it through different planes of movement and not just kind of fall apart if you have to do something on a single leg or if you have to stabilize in an overhead position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Stability in compromising positions are one of the most important aspects to staying injury-free. Um, it's like that whole adage, like you can't fire a canoe from a rowboat. Um, it's just going to, there's no foundation. So the canoe is just not going to fire. You have to get that thing firing on solid ground. So it has that foundation of power to fire off of. Um, what'd I say? You can't fire a canoe from a rowboat. Did I, say I was that? wondering what the hell you were talking you about. You can't fire a cannon <laughs> from a canoe. Okay. A cannon from a canoe. Um, because there's no foundation to it. I just realized what I said. So hopefully that makes sense, but if not, just keep moving. <laughs> um, so it all goes back to just being complete is pretty much at the end of the day what, what, what being an athlete means. At least in our definition, you know, we're not trying to establish what's right or wrong. This is more just how we view athletic training and the average person becoming a better athlete. You know, I, I, this is kind of off topic, but looking at that list, there's nothing mental on there. Um, and I personally believe that the mental side of training and sport is actually like a giant factor. Absolutely. Um, and I think training the mind is, is one of the most important things that you can train to get better at stuff. So Absolutely. It's like you go back to the original definition of the first Olympics back in like 800 BC. The original definition of it was the development of mind, body, and spirit. Uh-huh. That's why they did it. And it was, you know, to me, that's like – that still is like the pinnacle of, of athleticism. Yeah. You know, like four to five day events, multiple events, developing the mind, the body, and the spirit. Like to me, that's what being an athlete is. Yeah. Don't get me started on the Olympics. Yeah. Firing guns on skis. You don't like that? No. I think that's like, how is that quantitative of an athlete? Like they have. What? You have good aim. Well, yeah, but you have all these people that are very specialized in and one dimensional in one sport. Um, or one skill, and they say that you're an Olympic champion, like, fuck that. Um, <laughs> yeah, but know. wrestlers aren't Olympians anymore, so yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes no sense. But, you know, what I think that they should do is have your, you know, 20 best athletes of every country participate in every single event, and then you tally points, and you get one person that's just the best That's why I think, like, decathletes are just yeah. ballers. Like, yeah, fuck yeah. Like, just going out and doing everything, throwing stuff, jumping over stuff, sprinting. Like, I think that's so cool. Yeah, that's, like, the ultimate athlete to me. Um, it was, like, when we had Elise as a coach in the gym, like, she was a former college decathlete, and, like, she could do absolutely everything. Yeah, still one of the deadlift- best athletes I've ever seen. Yeah, she was deadlifting 300 pounds. She was jumping on boxes 46 inches. She was running 800 meters faster than pretty much everybody in the gym. Yep. Like, it was just honestly, like, fun to watch that shit. <laughs> it was. Um, so the, the, the main takeaway with this is, like, you know, it's not just about what – 
it's not just about Instagram results. Like what goes on social media, like a box squat or like a squat PR or a deadlift PR. It's really developing everything, kind of the non-sexy stuff, the endurance, the mobility, the balance, the flexibility, local endurance, all that stuff really matters. If again, if your goal is to really just develop your athleticism and I think people should do that. <laughs> I, I do too. I just think there's so much, so many, so many benefits to it, and there's the mental side of it, like you said. It's just plain rewarding, and honestly, it's a fun way to exercise. It's kind of like people talk about that runner's high. It's like if you start developing all these new capabilities. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> Either do I, but people talk about it. Um, I so, hear it's wonderful. Yeah, I. Uh, Apparently, you just run for an extended period of time, and you get <laughs> high from it. <laughs> that does sound great, except for the extended period of time thing. Um, so it's a great segue into kind of like how to do all this. Like, Mm -hmm. it's great to say like what folks should be doing, but how should they be doing it? And, you know, kind of like anything in fitness, you hit this point where something, you know, becomes reintroduced and it changes the landscape of everything and it's all for the best. But then that reintroduction, you know, it starts to be overdone and over relied upon. And then all of a sudden it's the only thing people do and they stop doing other stuff. Mm -hmm. What do you think I could be talking about? What could you be talking about? Yeah. Maybe barbells? Barbells, yes. Barbells are great. I'm not here to say barbells don't work. They're the foundation of our training, and they should be the foundation of most people's training. However, barbells are lacking. That is just a fact. Barbells will make you big. They will make you very strong. You will hit PRs. They are great to get off of the machines at Globo Gyms and under a barbell, so your body is moving as, as kind of the total unit. Um, they're amazing for all that stuff. Nobody should ever advance past barbells. Have I, have I sweated them sufficiently? Yes. Okay. Good to go. So here's what they won't do. They will not make you athletic. They will not make you multidimensional and they don't take your body through any alternative planes of movement. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my big issue with barbells is, you know, one to five reps, 70% or above aside from maybe the traditional, the exceptional speed work or hypertrophy work. You're pretty much in the same speed, the same loading patterns throughout the course of lifting barbells, yep. which is what makes them highly effective for strength gains. But all it is is sagittal movement. It's just extension, flexion, extension, flexion. If you're doing a deadlift, your hips are extend, flexing, extending, flexing, extending. Squats, knees and hips, flexing, extending, flexing, mm-hmm. extending. That's all you do. Yep. So you know that's where I think they kind of fail is they don't take us through athletic planes of movement. They don't take us through transverse plane, which is pretty much athletic plane, you know, rotational is the, the most common classification of them, but it's pretty much just athletic movements. Um, they don't take you through adduction or abduction, which is lateral movements. Um, they don't do any of that. So that, that's where I think they, they fail us in developing an athlete. They are certainly there to develop the main component of it, which is strength. But, um, yeah, I just, I just think that's why you need that's why you need more than just barbells. Yeah, and like you said, when you know something takes off and it it develops a following, then people start to do it way too much, and that's kind of where we're at now, where people say, "Oh, barbells are a great tool. Let's use barbells exclusively. Let's do those big movements exclusively," and that's where you then start to you know hit those negative aspects that you talked about. Yeah, and I think ex- you know the exact you know kind of to support my. To support my opinion on that is like you said when you played for the Red Sox, you became a worse athlete through getting bigger and stronger. Yeah. And I, I want to keep going back to that like for people listening because like that's that's a, 
a bold statement, but it's absolutely true. I went through that in my playing days. Like you saw yourself get worse professionally. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, the foundation was bench and squat and eat. So, you know, I benched, I squat and I ate and I put on a shit ton of muscle and I got jacked. And I still remember seeing like sweating yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I still remember seeing one of my old friends for the first time in like a year after a season and after an off season. And she was like, holy shit, Pritz, you are fucking jacked. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, like I feel great. But, but guess like, what? I'm I, worse at my job. Yeah, and I didn't feel great. Like <laughs> yeah. I felt like I was just this big rock that like couldn't move and couldn't do anything. It sucked. Yeah. So, and that's just the point is like, you know, understand kind of what you're training for and what you're trying to accomplish and understand that like, yeah, hit barbells and like hit them, love them, make them a part of your weekly routine. But just do some other shit, too, to balance that out. Yeah. Um, and I think some of the, the main tools that are beneficial for that, I'm a massive kettlebell fan. Um, yes, that is also going to be largely sagittal movement, but it is at least high speed. So it's a good start to break that up. Um, it's high speed, kind of violent hip extension as opposed to, like, slow, gradual hip extension. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really like that. Um just getting yourself into athletic movements, like getting on a, on a speed ladder and doing like footwork drills, like working on just moving your feet quickly, moving side to side, jumping laterally over hurdles or jumping laterally over uh, plyo boxes is just an easy way to get that athletic training in. Yeah. And you see people when we do that stuff in the gym, they're like, it's kind of like a, a punch to their face where they're like, oh my God, like this shit's hard. Like not only from the athletic perspective, but like it's also a great just physical component. Like it gets you tired. It gets you, you know, it gets you moving great. Yeah. And one of the whole, like, I don't want to get into a whole, a whole, um, you know, side topic on it, but one of the things, one of the drawbacks about barbell stuff is that same movement pattern over and over again can have a tendency to get us into injury trouble. Mm -hmm. And everybody always thinks that like it's form, like, Hey, like that's such, that's the common question of the gym. Like, Hey, do you want, do you mind watching my form? Right. And form is obviously important, but like what's way more important is how your body functions underneath that movement pattern yeah. and not necessarily how you're doing the movement pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, so with barbells, you know, w- one of the, the, the drawbacks is that same movement pattern over and over again. So not to get into a huge sidetrack here, but basically we have our fascia system, which is like a spider web that covers our whole soft tissue system underneath our bones. So it's like a Spider-Man suit that covers our entire muscles underneath our body. Um, It flows uninterrupted and it is now being shown to be largely responsible for a lot of injuries if we don't move properly um, and if we do the same movement pattern over and over again. So the analogy that I really like is from Tom Myers, who's wrote Anatomy Trains, um, is... If I'm doing squats over and over again, that same movement pattern, I tend to dehydrate the fascia um, in that movement pattern. So it's like if you think about if you're taking a walk on a beach and every time you press your foot in the sand, you know, you see the water kind of move out in that wet sand. Like you can see the water displacing. That's basically what the same movement pattern over and over again is going to do to your fascia. So it's going to push the water out consistently every single rep. And over time, it's going to create a dehydrated state where instead of kind of 
um, I hate this word, moist, and everything <laughs> is like gliding effortlessly in there, it becomes dry and brittle. Uh-huh. And if you think about a sponge, um, Brooke Thomas made this analogy, a wet sponge, it's pliable, you can twist it, you can maneuver it, Yep. it's resilient. But a dry sponge, you can rip it in half yep. and you can break it. Mm-hmm. And so by doing the same movement pattern over and over and over and over again, we oftentimes create a state where that fascia system is dehydrated and brittle and dry. And that's when we can start to see kind of cracks in our foundation. Essentially drying out that sponge. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if it didn't make sense for listeners, just think about don't take so many repeated steps in the same wet sand, you know, yeah. um, move all around so that the water never kind of dries out. And so if you kind of move around then does that push the water back into, you know, that, that step, if you will. Um, honestly, I don't know. It just, I know that what it does is it makes us not dehydrated. Gotcha. Um, so a lot of it too is like working soft tissue. That's kind of a separate podcast altogether, Mm -hmm. but the main takeaway with it is just do diverse movements. Gotcha. Um, do diverse movements, recover properly, and don't focus like, let me go in and squat three times a week. If it's not squat or deadlift on the board, I'm not coming to the gym. Yeah. Um, that type of stuff. Which so, you definitely see a lot of is people cherry picking workouts. Yeah. And that's one of the things that just like frustrates me greatly is like, you know, you'll write an awesome sport performance workout and there'll be like 10 people in it and like deadlift day, there's just jam packed with yep. the gym. And like, I love that. I do. It's awesome. Like, what a problem to have people loving deadlifts. <laughs> yep. Like that is just such a fucking great paradigm shift in fitness. Mm-hmm. But at the same token, again, it's like it climbs the mountain. Like it's not this perfect impenetrable exercise that, that is just perfect. Right. We need to do other things to develop our function and to just be complete athletes. I mean, that makes total sense. And, you know, obviously you have the exceptions to it. You have competitors, you have power lifters, you know, those are people that like don't need to be doing this stuff. Right. You know, if you're trying to get strong, but like, I would also make the case, like, I don't know. I think that type of, that type of competition, it should be reserved for the few. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think that that's training that the average person needs to do just with the focus on like, I'm trying to get strong as shit. Right. Like, I just think that that's limited. That's my personal opinion. Some people like all they want to do is train strength and they just care about being strong. They don't care about what kind of aerobic shape they're in. They don't care about body composition. They don't care about athleticism, just strength. And like, that's cool. Like do, do your thing for sure. But if, my, if, if it's for the right reasons. Yeah, I suppose. Um, but my whole opinion on it is like use your body to the fullest potential that it has. And that's more than one capacity. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. I, I just worry that a lot of people overdo the strength stuff kind of like you talked about so that they can, you know, post on Instagram and show everybody how strong they are and how cool they are. So if it's I agree with that. Yeah. You know, if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, then kind of evaluate yourself, (laughs) check yourself before you wreck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that's, uh, that kind of takes us now into our last point with it. And that's, you know, where can we develop these skill sets based on where we're at with our level of fitness? Because the average person that walks through the door, they can't come in and immediately try to get good at nine things. Mm -hmm. Um, nor should they, that would just be bad training. You would end up getting the worst of all worlds. Right. So I think I just burped into the microphone. Sorry if that was heard, (laughs) but it all depends on just kind of where you're at with your level of fitness. So 
you know, beginners who are just starting out and don't yet have these skill sets, the, the two things you want to really focus on are is your, your, your strength. So building that strength, build it for a very long time. Don't test it, build it. Mm -hmm. So don't, don't focus on how much you can lift, just focus on your strength. Build it within you know five rep sets. Stay away from the one rep for a long time if you're a beginner. Honestly, I would love to see people stay away from that for a year. Like if they're a beginner and they're really starting out, I would love to see that proper development be just building your strength before you worry about testing it. Now, then, real quick, on when we're, you're talking about beginner, are you talking about new to weightlifting or you know new to activity? Because you see a lot of people that new to weightlifting. Okay, good question. Like you get a lot of people coming off the the you know Smith machine, right? But that's different than a back squat. Yep. Um, so new to weightlifting. Focus on building your strength. Focus on building your endurance. You know, you have to be able to figure out how to work long before you can work hard. And that's a, another good quote uh, from James Fitzgerald, who I've referenced before, who I learned quite a bit from, um, is building that endurance. And it's super important. You can't just ask people to go 100 miles an hour if they have no engine underneath that to support that. Yeah. So you have to develop that engine. Um, and really the key there for beginners is just movement pattern, like get really good at movement. It's so boring, but it's like if you're trying to <clears throat> like plant a field of crops, like you want to spend a long time making sure that that land is like fertile enough to support it. If you're just picking the wrong land cause you're rushing it, like it's going to fail. So spend some time just cultivating the foundation, get everything moving properly and then you can start worrying about moving heavily or moving quickly. Good analogy. Thanks. Just killed that on the spot. <laughs> um, and you really want to avoid that red line, uh, going just as hard as you possibly can, hitting the wall and not developing. Everything should be focused on development and not testing when you're just that beginner starting out. So just by the mere nature of like exposing yourself over time, you're going you're gonna to slowly be building that foundation for athleticism. Once you kind of hit that, you know, that one year mark, that intermediate stage, I guess you could say, that's when you kind of really focus on getting good at everything. Mm -hmm. Like you want to get good at all the movements. You want to get good at all the different types of workouts, all the different skill sets. Like you want to focus not just on endurance and strength, but now you want to focus a lot more on power or you want to start to be able to build that anaerobic endurance, you know, mm -hmm. going hard as fuck for like 10 minutes, you right. know what I mean? Or like five minutes. Yeah. Um, I am a big believer in the Swiss army knife. You know, it gets made fun of by specialists who are like amazing power and Olympic weightlifters. But I think being the Swiss army knife is rad. Like you can walk into the gym and you could just throw a dart at any movement, any workout, and you're going to do well in that. Yeah. I love that shit. I like, do too. I, I think that that's like a great feeling to be able to walk in and do. And I think it's a great thing to encourage for other people to just be, be multi-dimensional. And that's really good to develop in your intermediate stage, that kind of one to two year, two year mark. Um, the biggest mistake I think we see a lot in our gym is folks trying to specialize too early. Yeah. Um, do you see that often with just people who like they drift towards powerlifting and they, they tend to stay there? Yeah, I think part of it is that instant gratification you get when you hit a one rep PR. 
Um, and it, when you're new to this stuff, obviously those gains are going to be much quicker. And, you know, every time you walk into the gym, you're able to lift more weight just because you're, you're brand new to this stuff. So, you know, you throw up a one rep PR and it feels so good. So then next time you come in, you think, Hey, can I beat that again? And you throw up another PR and then all of a sudden you get addicted to that cycle and that feeling that kind of high that you get from hitting PRs. And then all of a sudden that's all you're doing. And like, we're guilty of perpetuating that because like, that's what fitness recognizes, you know, that tangible measurement. And that's why it's such a valuable tool, you know, instant feedback. It's hard data. It's a number that's indisputable. Like you lifted it. Mm -hmm. And, but it's also, it's too easy to get addicted to and and think that that's the only measure of your success. Right. And I just think that's a big failure. So I just, I don't think anybody should be specializing in a damn thing until they get to that level of just extreme proficiency. Yeah. And one thing that I've noticed personally is, you know, if I hit a one rep PR, um, you know, now at, at my level of training, if I try that, you know, another one rep PR a couple of weeks later, it's a lot harder if I'm only working on that one to two rep range. So what I've done specifically is increase those reps and increase that weight for, you know, three months um, at the three to five rep range. And then I drop down to my one rep and it is so much easier to then hit that weight um, and to kind of pass that test, if you will. Yeah. It's, it's all goes back to like the build your strength. Don't constantly test it. Yep. Um, so I, I forget who that, I think maybe Dan, John, somebody deserves credit for that, but um, it's just, it's very true. Once you hit that advanced stage, that high degree of proficiency, that is when, you know, in my opinion, that's when you can start to specialize. Like I want to spend six months and get a 400 pound back squat, Mm -hmm. or, you know, I want to get my mile under six minutes, or I want to get my box jump to 60 inches, like stuff like that. That's high level that you specialize on, that you focus on. Um, and I also think on the, on the opposite end of that, you can just focus on still being a better Swiss army knife. I don't think that goes out of style at all. Um, like you don't have to, like, I think that's a misconception too. That like, okay, I'm advanced. I'm so good at everything now. Like I need something more. Yep. And like, that's just utterly false. It goes back into like our first episode. We were talking about like secrets, secret squirrel programming, like cut, like specific for a member who thinks that they're, you know, capped or need more. And nobody does. Yeah. Nobody. Um, you know, I look at, the example of like uh, that our buddy used and uh, the person that we talked to out at the bar one night who was on that secret squirrel programming Mm -hmm. and this man was not killing it. (laughs) Um, He just wasn't. Yeah. Uh, He just wasn't like he didn't need secret. He he didn't need special programming. He needed to get in there and progressively continue to train upward. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to work on constantly. Like one of my biggest problems is I feel like I don't have enough time to hit every single movement or every single grouping that I want to. And I mean, there's probably, there's probably 15 movements that I still would like to get better. And I consider myself a a pretty high performing athlete. Yeah. Um, and you know, I look at like specific examples within the confines of performance 360 and like some of the members that we've had that have been there for four going on five years. Mm -hmm. And I don't see one of them stalled on anything. It's amazing. Like I, I look at Noah, and like his physical abilities, like I look at Webb yeah. and his lifts, like he hit a squat PR like a couple months ago. Yeah. Been squatting for five years, like still upwards of over 400 pounds. And yep. it's like, um, you never, you're, you're never too good to continue to get better at what you're doing. I firmly believe that. 
And the way that you can do that is just focus on all these different athletic skill sets and continue to round out your three dimensions as a human being. Yeah. Um, so what we would love to hear from you guys is what your version of an athlete is kind of levels that you measure it. It'd be fun to kind of get some comments going on sports. Like what are the best athletes? I think they're gymnasts. That's just me. What do you think, Pritz? Ooh, definitely not baseball players, <laughs> which is my sport. <laughs> um, um, I disagree with that, but that's okay. I, I think soccer is huge. Um, I played soccer in high school and that when I was playing soccer, I felt the most athletic. Like, I feel like I could take that and apply it in anything. Um, so I think that's a big one. You're a goddamn communist. <laughs> you just traded baseball for soccer. I don't even know you. Yeah, baseball's kind of boring. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, let's wrap it up there. That's enough for today. Um, just a reminder, guys, go to www.perform-360.com slash the business of lifting weights. Uh, make sure you give us feedback. Make sure you uh, subscribe on iTunes. And, um, you know, we're, we're always looking for new topics to discuss. So um, just kind of let us know. You can shoot us an email or comment on that page. And, guys, we're giving away a $500 training package. Like, that's pretty legit. We're yes. talking about some cool shit here. So Yeah, and we can customize that for what you want. So gym bag with, like, gym shoes, uh, any gear that you want. Um, it's pretty much just going to be like a, what do you need for your, for your, for your gym life? Yeah. And I'll grab a couple things out of Dave's closet, uh, <laughs> toss them in there too. I don't have much. So, <laughs> um, all right guys, thank you very much. Um, until next time, this is the business of lifting weights. See you guys.